Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW with you tonight. It's a show where conversations save lives. So glad that you've joined us here tonight on the show. Make sure to get connected with us anytime. We're on Twitter right now. Use the hashtag HNRTV. And join the conversation tonight. This is all about you guys and you being a part of the show. We've got a great conversation lined up for you tonight. Also joining us in studio, Jason is back with us again this week. Man, it's good to have you on the show, and I'm excited for our conversation tonight, man. Oh, it is going to be great. You know, I'm just excited. Summer's around the corner. Things are finally warming up. You know, there was that little stint at the end of April there, you know, where it was just this messy nastiness. And it was just, man, now that it's May, the sun is shining. Yep. It's warming up, and ah, man, I'm ready. You know, I want to invite our listeners, too, um, Jason, to come and and join us. We have a high school camp. You can go to our website, silverbirdtrance.org, and take a look at it. But we'd love for you to join us this summer for a week where um, you can meet Jason, and we'll see if we can twist uh, Jeff's arm to get him up here, and I'll be around, and and, uh, we'd love to meet some of you. Come up and spend a week uh, if you know somebody in high school. Absolutely. um, Get them up here. We've got a, a high school week that they will not regret they came to. Yep, and uh, so we're we're excited about what God's going to do there. Yeah, if you're interested at all, just go to sbrsummer.org, and then uh, it'll there's some links to click it to register. Or even if you're you're a high schooler and you want to come and volunteer for a week, yep, we'd love to have you. We'd love to invest into your lives and just mentor you and come alongside you. So it'll be fun. Lots of good stuff. I'm I'll be up at camp coming up this summer. I know I'll be there for a week, hanging out with some students, some hopefully you guys and. And we'll do some interviews and just hang out and have some great conversations. And it's a life-changing experience. If you've never been to a camp before and you're a teenager, it's just a good opportunity to check it out and see what it's all about. Uh, lots of things at Silver Birch Ranch that you can check out. And we'll post these links in the show notes. Go to HopeNet360.com for everything, our podcast, all of our show notes. We've got extra links and stuff that we don't get to cover in the show. And what this show is really all about, HopeNet Radio, it's all about connecting you guys with hope. And tonight, our conversation is going to be maybe a challenging one for for you. I think every week we have conversations that sometimes they're lighthearted and sometimes we have a lot of fun in between. And then we talk about things that might be a little bit difficult to implement in our life or even to listen to because they're just not common conversations. And sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes yeah. it's uncomfortable what we ask our listeners to do, uh, but not in a way that is unhealthy. We try to help to, you to focus on building a healthy spiritual life. And we think that's really a big, it's a missing element in so many people's lives that we just neglect our spiritual health and try to think that maybe some of the ways that we do things, how we live, the stuff we have will will fill in those gaps, and that's not really going to ultimately help. And so that's kind of part of what we do on the show. And Dave, I'd love your your thoughts too. Speaking of that, I, I don't know what I'm more disappointed in, Jeff. You eating peeps. Oh boy. Because you did confess that you ate peeps. I did I did see a confession on, on the tweet. Page. Yeah, I don't know if I'm more disappointed in that or the fact that Jason has not converted from being a Bear fan to a Packer fan yet. I, why, why would I? Why wouldn't you is the question. Oh, please. Yeah. please. <laughs> one, one day you will see the light. Yeah. You, will, you will come back to the truth. Yeah, well, this year we get to play you on Thanksgiving night. I know. Uh, yeah, how I weird that. is that? I is mean, that the first time they've offered a game on Thanksgiving since, night? I think since 1923 was the last time or something the Packers. You'd have to look it up, but it's a long time ago the Packers had a Thanksgiving home game right. at night, and they're, they're going to retire Favre's jersey that night, and so there's going to be a lot of electricity in the air, and I don't think the Bears will hold a chance that night because of the emotion. Well, the hmm. emotion of retiring Brett Favre's jersey, will, be, will you rejoice over that, or will you just treat that <laughs> like a, a Cutler jersey? No, we'll, we'll be rejoicing over the fact that it's actually retired, and, and the story has a, a last page that gets to be closed. I see, I see. Because until now, it's it's kind of like an open wound out there that keeps festering, and we're going to be able See, to close it up. At least I support my team. You know, you support I, I, Jay Cutler. Well, 
Hey, Come on, I want to hear we, it. I want to hear it. He's what we have right <laughs> no, now. Yeah, so I want to hear the support. I want to hear the support. <laughs> have to. Let, let's give him the love here, Jason. Let, if let's... the Bears won with Jay Cutler, I would support him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Much like Brett Favre. You know, he led you to many I'm victories. telling you something. If the Bears win the Super Bowl with Jay Cutler at the helm, I will eat a peep. You heard it there, folks. I will eat a peep. On, on air, I, I will eat one. I, 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 I wish that the odds of that happening were, <laughs> were higher. <laughs> I will admit that, but uh, you never right. know. Maybe this will be our year. It's on record. I will eat a peep on air if, if the Bears win the Super Bowl with Jay Cutler at the helm. Okay. All right. It's in the book. Yeah. All right. A pink one. <laughs> pink one of all things. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I stand by the decision. No, you don't. Peeps aren't, they're not the greatest thing. They're not the best thing I've ever eaten. But anyway, we're you over shortened it. your life by about 10 years. That's true. I probably, probably going to start treating peeps like you do far. Yeah. Oh, probably. <laughs> Could be. I guess I had to live with the consequences. And, uh, of course, choices always have consequences. And today we're going to talk a little bit about change. Uh, good quote that I ran across this week. Thanks to you and my good co-host, DW. And by the way, found a little known fact about Dave that it, he's the reason that little Miss Muffet spider actually dropped down and, and scared her away. Did you know that, Dave? I did not know that I was the reason. How, how do I fit into this? I was going to say, explain. Do well, tell. you know, in, in the story, uh, there's a little, there's like a part that was kind of left out in that whole scheme of the story about Little Miss Muffet and her sitting on the Tuffet eating her curds and whey. And, and actually, it was along came DW and coaxed a, a spider to drop down and, and sit Whoa. by her. And, and that's kind of how it how how it worked. You don't remember that part of the story? I do not remember that part of the story. And and probably if that was a big secret and it's out to the world now, we're all in trouble. True. Well, you heard it first here on HopeNet Radio, so it's probably copyrighted. <laughs> it, it, it's probably it's probably copyrighted. You're going to jail. <laughs> oh boy, I'm going to jail. I'm just yeah. reporting it. I know. I'm, I'm just it's I'm just to be digging private. on the interwebs. It's a private stuff. <laughs> private conversation. But you know, it's so funny. We we read stories like Little Miss Muffet and all these you know fantasy rhymes and, and fairy tales and stuff and how often dave do you do we get ourselves into a place where we start believing some of the the fairy tale life that we can live this way and and get the things that we see or you know just kind of get lost in the make-believe you know what i think that life has so much make-believe with the movies and the television and the media that we're involved in that we now have a new reality and it's make-believe yeah. And I think that's a dangerous thing. I really like Lewis Carroll's uh, Alice in Wonderland story. I wouldn't suggest you use it for a life model, but I, I think that he said some things that are very important. And one of the things, there was a conversation where Alice is standing at, a, at a, a fork in the road, and the conversation goes like this. She says, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the answer was, that depends a good deal on where you want to go to. And she said, I don't much care where. And the answer was, then it doesn't matter which way you go. And I think, oh, man, that is so profound. Mm. If, if I had a conversation with a young person today, high school, college, and, and I started it with, so what do you want to do in life? 99.9% .9 of the time I hear, I have no idea. And what I'm finding is then it doesn't matter what road you take mm. because all the roads will lead you to I don't know what I'm doing. All of them will go there. Mm -hmm. So do whatever. And, and that's not a good answer. So I think today what I'd love to talk to our audience about and, and, and have a conversation between us and, and the very millions of people that listen or download this, this podcast is let's talk about our, is that how we're living? Are we living in a, in, a, in a fantasy world where we're basically saying I got up today, I want to survive till I get to the end of the day, go, go to bed and start all over again? I, I think we've talked about the Dunkin' Donut man before. You get up, make the donuts, finish making the donuts, go to bed, get yeah. up the next day, make the donuts. And that's what life becomes. It's not really meaningful. It's not really purposeful. And we're going nowhere with it. And yet we're asking for direction. Yeah. But how can you get direction if you're going nowhere? Okay. I mean, you want direction to go nowhere? You don't need direction for that. Just keep going. Yeah. You're going to end up there, I promise. Dave, it's so profound that what you said, too, of just how, you know, even in life, if we don't know where we're going, if we have no vision for the future, then you might as well just keep on going in life. Yeah. And we're, you know, now we're in May and you're looking at the end of the school year. Some of you guys are going to be graduating high school or even looking at graduating college in the next week or so, a couple weeks. And, and the reality is, is we might not, we might even be at that point in our life where we're like, 
no, I don't, I don't know what, what next is, you know, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what I want to do. And I'm not saying that we all have it figured out. I don't even know what I necessarily want to do with the rest of my life, but I know, I guess the direction that I'm headed. And with that, if we have our feet pointed in the right direction, we're going to go somewhere. So it's important tonight as we continue this conversation that we talk about which direction we're going. Think about this quote. We're going to take a break here on the show. This quote that says, if change is not systemic, it isn't change at all. We're going to talk about this when we come back here on HomeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. If change is not systemic, it isn't change at all. George Rotan said those words. I think it's Rotan or Rotan. But he said those words. If change is not systemic, it's not change at all. Jeff, DW, and Jason with you tonight on the show. We're talking a little bit about change and life change. People, we all get to points in our life where we're content with certain things, but then there's one thing or maybe a couple of things in our life that we're just not content with. We know that there's something that's just missing or Maybe it's your health. Maybe there's health issues. Maybe there are, you know, weight issues or issues in the marriage, issues in relationships. And something we feel in our life, something has to give, something has to change uh, because I'm no longer content. I'm not finding happiness or joy in this part of my life. And so we want to talk a little bit about this tonight here on the show and hopefully give you some perspective. So join us on the Tweetback right now. Use the hashtag HNRTB. It's the HopeNet Radio Tweetback on Twitter. Be a part of the conversation. Let us know what you think as we're talking in the show tonight. And uh, Dave, this quote, what do you make of it? Well, you know, you know what I was thinking as you said that um, most of us don't grab that. There's certain areas of our life that seem to control other areas of our life. You know, I mean, if we're addicted to something, whatever, it seems to control everything else. We'd rob, we'd steal our work. I mean, there's areas in our life that we seem not to be able to grab and change. You know, I think the three of us, for example, I am sure in each one of our lives right now, and and, and we don't need any deep discussion or or secrets here, but there's something that you want to change in your life. So, you know, um, you know, for me, what I would like to change is I want to get a, a way to really have consistent and, and regular exercise in my life. You know, I mean, I, I do it and I do a lot of it. And, and I go in uh, my one of the, the things I make fun of myself with with uh, my dear wife is that I say, well, I'm in this phase right now. You know, and I, I love to go in phases. So I'm yes, going to, yeah, I do. So I'm going to have a phase where I'm going to eat butter for a month. You know what I mean? It's like, pff, it's my phase. Uh, and, and so I know I do that. Right. But, but the truth of the matter is living your life in phases does not make consistency in life. Mm-hmm. So if I could change something, it would be, I need to, phases are okay because I like change and trying things, but I still need to make sure that I just don't have a, a treadmill in the basement. Right. Because I was on a treadmill phase, and now I'm not on it ever again. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's like, how in the world can I make the change so that the things I need to do are going to be consistent for right. the rest of my life? And they stick. And right. And, and, and the reason that they don't stick is a lot of times because I have everything reinforcing them not to. Yeah. Because even in my head, the way I said it, I'm in a treadmill phase. Mm. What, what did I just say? I, I'm not going to do this forever. Yeah. Right. Only for a little bit. Yeah. So this is not something that's going to grip me, and I know it, so I can do it real hard for a month. Mm, You know, I mean, a a diet phase. Now, we all know that diet is lifestyle. It's a change that has to happen overall. I mean, you guys, is is there something in your life that you could look at right now and say, that's something I'd like to change? And we can actually put some muscle to how we do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, mine actually is the same thing. You know, during the summer, it's easy to do it, you know, to to be consistent about, you know, just getting out there and, and just exercising and then winter comes along and you're just sitting around more. It's, and like you said, you have all the intent and it seems like every year you go through the phase of, all right, I'm going to do this, but then it doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and so in your home, you don't have it. There's no system right. for you to be consistent in the change desires that you want to have. Right. And since there's no system in place, you know, you don't have a exercise gym at home. Nope. All right. If if you did, if you set something up where you had to, if you put, it might change something. I bet you have a good system for cooking, though. We do. <laughs> uh-huh. We do. So, so you have a good system for putting calories in. Oh, yeah. Food is delicious. Yeah. And and, it, and no system for putting calories out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know what the you know There's what the not end, as many. You, you, know what, you know what the end result of that one is. You oh, yeah. know, what I mean, I, it, because again, it's the system that will start taking over, and yeah. and if you're not willing to change the environment, then probably the end result isn't going to change. Right. Right. And I think, you know, even to play on words, you know, sometimes we just got to move our butt. Yeah. You know, not literally, but, you know, a lot of times when we're trying to make systems, well, I'm going to do this, but I don't want to give this up. Or I'm going to do this, but only to an extent. And we always have that little excuse that we're not willing to to let go or or even to put in the full effort. You know, even just like you're saying, these these phases, it's almost like at the beginning, it's like, all right, I'm going to do this. But we don't necessarily put our confidence in the fact that it's going to be a lasting change. Right. We don't want to make like final decisions. It seems like I'm, I'm not going to do this ever again. Right. Well, if you're not going to do that ever again, people that have come to me and they've wanted to quit smoking, for example, mm-hmm. and say, I don't want to smoke anymore. One of the first questions I have is, all right, um, are you going to hang out with people who do smoke? Yep. Hmm. Well, yeah, they're my friends. All right. Well, you're not going to quit smoking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the honest truth is we know that because you're going to smell the smoke and it's going to, you know, I mean, it's going to be really hard for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to make all new friends. Like, look, you know, I'm not saying you're the one that says you want to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. If it's not systemic, I mean, it's nice to say I want to quit smoking. But if you're not going to change the things that cause the problem, then you're not going to change the problem. Mm-hmm. And you have to look at it. It's not just the end result you're trying to do. There's other things. And then I ask them a question. So do you have um, cigarettes in your car, in your glove compartment? Yes. Well, then you're not going to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to make some changes here. Yep. In the system, you need to make some changes, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I think that's what I, I would agree totally. If if the change isn't systemic, there isn't going to be change. Yeah. And I think eating, everyone that's listening to us can understand that. Yeah. Someone that's listening may not be eating enough, thinking I, I'm not going to eat anything. And, and some that are listening are eating too much. Very few that are listening are eating just right. Mm-hmm. But what is the system? For that, mm-hmm. I mean, if if you don't want to drink pop or soda, or whatever you call it, do you keep a refrigerator full of yeah. it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and we're talking a lot about how we have the control to change. There are going to be other cir- circumstances. Maybe we can talk about this later in the show too, guys. That there are circumstances that we cannot control the change. The change is permanent. You know, you get into a car accident and now you're paralyzed from the waist down, or you know, fully paralyzed, a paraplegic. You know, so there are changes that are you know that happen as a result of something else that we may or may not have had control over but there are other things like eating like you know our diet or exercise that we do have control over and you that in that regard it's more like pros and cons isn't it i hate to be so simple about it but it's really about do the pros to the to the does is the pain worth it is the pro really worth the con of the pain or the struggle or the consistently sticking to a routine or regimen, is it really worth it? There's a ripple effect, um, Jeff, when you think about it. And a lot of times we don't want to get involved in the ripple effect. So let's say as a dad, I want to eat right. Well, I, if I have children at home and, and I have a wife at home, now, now I've got all these people and I'm deciding I'm going to eat a certain way. It gets really hard at that point because yeah. they haven't decided that. So this system is tough on you at mm-hmm. that point. And, and, and yet you have to address the fact that the system is what's causing the problem. It's not just the end result. Of, the end result is just there because of that system. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you need to be able to talk this through with people and understand if it's, if it's a right system, if it's a good system, it's going to be good for everybody. Uh, and, and you may not get everybody enthusiastically jumping on your bandwagon. It's kind of, kind of like a ship in water. We really know what is not good for a ship environmentally. Is not good to be going over uh, shallow reefs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. That's not good. Yep. Right. So, so you really need to stay away from it if you want to have a healthy ship. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you can say, well, I want a healthy ship and jam into the reefs. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dumb move. Yep. You know I mean? That's not going to happen. You, you need to make sure that you don't have leakage in the bow and that kind of stuff it, because you're going to a- end up working all the time on bailing the water. Yep. So there's environmental things that you have to look at, but still you got to remember something. You're a ship. You were made to be in that water. Right. But it doesn't mean that you were made to be in that water in a stupid way. So, so you're looking for all those things that will cause you not to be able to sail. And then you adjust that and now you can sail. And it's the way it's supposed to be. I don't know if that makes sense, but that, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Well, that leads into a thought that I had this week as I was thinking about this show and change and, 
And a couple of different examples. One of them is how a ship moves in the water. Probably one of the smaller parts of the ship, but has the, the most control over the direction that, that ship goes, and that's the rudder. You have to position it in the right direction to maintain the course that you want to go on the water, you know, whether it's in the sea or, or any of that. And you have to make sure it's, it's accurate. And, you know, staying true to the compass, staying true to the direction that you're going is so important. And that's what the rudder does. It controls the direction of the life of that ship or the direction that that ship is going to go, where it's going to end up eventually. And the same thing is true for our lives. We have to set our course. We have to set our rudder in a direction that we're going to go and say, I'm going to stick to this, this line or this, this path. Because this is what's going to bring me success in this in this goal or what I want to accomplish. So we want to talk more about that in the show. We want to hear your thoughts as well. Join us right now on the tweet back. You can use the hashtag HNRTV or send us an email at hope at hopenet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Make sure to connect with a live coach right now, especially if you're going through something tonight. You can always chat anytime you need to at HopeNet360.com. Chat with a live coach. And they're there 24-7 to encourage you, listen to you, and maybe you're in a difficult season. They're there anytime you need to chat with them. So tonight on the show, we've kind of been asking this question without actually asking it, but... The big question of tonight is, why is it when I've tried to make changes in my life that I've not really succeeded or that I haven't really changed? I've made some change, but it just doesn't seem like it's been what I expected from that change. And we've been talking about systems, and Dave, you really put it best that you know that we need to actually identify a right system, a right structure to really help us implement those changes in our life. Yeah, you know, the way we live, the things that surround us in life, um, are either supporting something that's healthy or they're supporting things or not supporting things that are healthy, which means there's unhealthiness within the system. Um, and, and Jason, if, if a young person came to you and, and asked the simple question, I have so many times tried to stop X, whatever it is, stop viewing pornography. What advice would you give them? I, I would say that they need to, they need to change the environment that they're in, in, in the sense of, you know, there's probably things that they haven't been willing to give up and to fully change because they think that they're either strong enough or, or that sort of thing. And so they, their mindset is already setting themselves up for failure because they're stuck within their current system. They're focusing too much on the, you know, the act of them viewing rather than looking a little bit further back and saying, all right, where, where's, where do I need but to what, change? What would you say, though, if I said to you, well, I, I don't want, you know, I want to be strong enough to withstand temptation. So I want the temptation there. It'd be like, let, let's say I'm struggling with my weight and, and yeah. you say, well, you need to, you know, eat less ice cream. Yeah. And I, and I come back and I tell you, well, no, I want ice cream sitting there. I want an ice cream sundae sitting there so that I can look at it and walk away from it. That's what I want. And, yeah. and what would you tell me? I'll say it's never going to happen. Okay. You never, you know, it's never gonna. You're never gonna be strong enough to do that. So, so I have to be able to say things like, I, I, I can never have that sit in front of me, or I can have it once a week, sit in front of something right. where I change the environment. Exactly. So, so you're saying that I'll, I'm not strong enough to make those changes on my own. Not if you want to stare. You, you got to take the steps to get okay. it out of your face. You know. Yeah, I think that's hard advice, but it's right advice. Right. I mean, that's that's what we don't want to hear. Right. I mean, uh, if if um, I, I have friends who have battled with alcoholism, and one of the first things they'll tell me when we talk is, "I am an alcoholic." Mm-hmm. So they admit the problem. They, you yeah. know, this is a total admission. I am an alcoholic. So what are you doing about it? I am not ever, and and they say this emphatically. I am not ever going to have alcohol in my house again. Yeah. Now, boy, you know, that's a very important step Yep. because they're saying I'm not ever going to do this again. They're not opening the door for it. Mm-hmm. They're not saying, well, someday maybe I'll get over it enough where I can have. No, they know what it does to them. They know what alcohol does to them. So they're, they're changing the system. It's not available to them. Um, they are not ever going to go into a bar again. Right. You know, why? They're alcoholics. What, what goes on in bars? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, they are not ever going to go out with the buddies uh, who are going out drinking for a weekend. I mean, they're not going to do that. So so what you see is they're saying, okay, boy, I have to change what I do in my entertainment. Mm-hmm. I have to change what I do during my free time. Mm-hmm. I have to change how I shop. 
Yep. I have to change how. See, these are all things that will affect the decision right. that they're making. And and that's what we have to see. If if we're not willing to do that, mm-hmm. we're going to be in trouble. I mean, name any problem that young people come and talk to you about, and yet they're not, you know, someone that's involved in pornography, like like we said. Right. All right. Well, well, how in the world are you continuing to be involved in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have a a phone that. All right. Can we limit the phone? Well, that's too inconvenient. Okay, then I can't help you. Right. Exactly. I think I think a lot of times we want. We want the change, but we're not willing to make the sacrifices in order that for the change to, to be lasting. Right. You know, even in something as simple as that, you know, with phones nowadays, you know, I mean, we know that pornography is a huge problem and a huge temptation. Mm. And yet, you know, as, even as I talk to a lot of young people, you know, they're not willing to give up things or certain apps or put on filters because mm. it becomes an inconvenience. Right. Yep. You know, and I'm like, well, I can't help you then. If you're not willing to do that, then you might as well just... Yeah. You know, not want to change. You're so. you're actually making it so that when you have that weak moment, right, it's available. It's available to give in. Right, right. exactly. And so, you, you, until you can make it not available, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. I've told young people so often that the thing that ruined you was about a thirty second window. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like yep. you, you had this desire, right, and, and because you have made uh, a way for this desire to come. Mm-hmm. to you and and be okay in 30 seconds you were engulfed in it again yeah mm-hmm. now the, the interesting thing is if you would have made it the environment differently you would have had to think about it a little bit more you would have had to make some effort to get and, and maybe you wouldn't have done it right but because you were not willing to look at the system that supports the decision you can't change what you're doing have you ever had anyone come to you and say they, they, they had no choice, they have no choice, or they feel helpless, like they can't mm-hmm. make the right choice? Yeah. Yeah. It, here's, here's the truth, and I want all our listeners to hear this. Nobody can ever take your choice away. You, you always have choice. If you've ever felt like you don't have choice, that's a lie. You do have a choice. For example, if someone came to you, put a gun to your head and said, you give me all your money, you might tell your friends, I had no choice no, you did have a choice. The alternatives were not good. You're either going to lose your money or he's going to put a bullet in your head. I mean, the alternatives you may not like, yeah. but your choice was there. You, you could say, well, I have to pay taxes or I go to jail. Your, your choice is there. You can pay your taxes or you can go to jail. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still there. So I, I would like the listeners to, when I'm, when I'm dealing with a young person, one of the first things I like to do is, is get them to understand nobody can take your choice away from you. Mm-hmm. There's not a circumstance that says, I have to make this choice because of this. It, it's not there. What you're really saying is, I don't like the alternatives. So I can't make that choice. Well, that's a different story now. Now we can talk about it. So my alcoholic friend can say, well, I don't like the idea that I can't make you know provision for my friends for alcohol, so I want to have it in my house for them. All right. You can say no to that but you're choosing not to. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand this is your choice. Yeah. This, this is not, you are not a victim on this. You are choosing, and when you choose something, there's an outcome that takes place. And if you're choosing to have it in your house and you're struggling with alcoholism, I promise you in a weak moment, you're done again. Yeah. And that's the way it is. So I want to encourage our listeners to think in those terms rather than just these phases or, or just something immediate or whatever because it's, it really doesn't work to identify a problem and try and solve it in a day by just making a singular change. There, there usually is a host of changes that need to be made. Some of you are talking pornography. I mean, some of you need to include the people you live with and the fact that you struggle with it and, and, and make changes in how you uh, have access to your phones. I mean, that kind of stuff. If you're not going to do it, then don't say you want to get out of the habit because it's not going to happen. Yeah. A couple of thoughts that I had as you guys were chatting there. One, I think, People that can make changes, for most, they have the ability to choose. But I, I just remember reading a story that was really sad. I think it was out of, I think it was out of Philadelphia. There was a a, a mother who left uh, her disabled son in a park, and he was there for a few a few days. Like he was almost close to dying. He couldn't move. He was in a wheelchair, and he was laying on the ground. He couldn't he couldn't move. He couldn't at that point. He couldn't choose to go get help. Like he couldn't 
He couldn't speak hardly. It was just one of those really sad situations. There are people that are in our society that cannot, in some ways, make choices, certain choices, because they're limited, they're limitation. Right. Um, and, and that's a reality. Right. So. In that sense, you're right. And that's not what I'm talking about, obviously. I mean, you, you can't choose to breathe while you're underwater. I mean, you, yeah. you can, but you can't do it. Right. Uh, because water doesn't work that way. So that's not the kind of choice I'm talking about. I'm talking about the choices in life that seem to control us because that's what Satan is. I, I want us to understand this. Satan always works. The devil always works from the outside in. Mm-hmm. In other words, habits and addictions and things, they're, they're controlling us, but they're from the outside in. Yeah. God works opposite. He works from the inside out. He works through the thought process, the meditation, and there's a process he works through. Satan works through feelings and the outside process. God works through the inside, thinking it through. There are people that can go against their feelings, and we need to keep talking more about that. I got lots of thoughts. We'll share them in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Remember to connect with us on the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB, and the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio, the second half of the show. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can always go back on the podcast and listen at HopeNet360.com slash podcast. So be a part of the conversation tonight with us. We've been talking about change, tackling the question of why when we try to change and we take some steps that we don't fully we don't fully change. We don't change to the degree that we want to or we don't see the results that we expected when we started out this idea of changing my life in one way or another. And uh, one of the things, guys, as we were talking in the last segment, we were talking, you know, some of the struggles, some of the things that we need to change, you know, struggling with lust or struggling with, you know, being addicted to different things. One thing that young people struggle with is grades and just getting good grades and doing well on tests and that sort of thing. And, and the other side of it, too, is how... I guess, how can we help young people to, uh, if they're struggling maybe tonight with grades and doing well in a test, maybe they got a project coming up, finals are always coming up around the corner. I mean, do you guys hear from young people this is a big stress in their life? Yeah, it's an Alice in Wonderland thing again, a, a little bit, because what's happening is the focus is on, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know why I'm in school. I, I'm in school because I have to go. I mean, I got up this morning. I'm this age. I have to go to school. Yeah. So, so then what becomes the... The end result is, well, I have to do homework because I'm told to. Mm-hmm. I have to pass so I can go on to the next grade. And, and what we do is we're, we're like going nowhere. Yeah. So, so we're going nowhere except for grades. So now grades become the, the idea of why we're in school. I'm an old teacher. Grades aren't why they're in school. Mm-hmm. They're in school to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, you think so. But where did we miss that? Where, where did we miss that? And why are we missing that? Um, you know, I think I think Jason was in, a, in other countries. This happened at, where you were in other places. No, it was totally different, which was eye opening for me. You know, because I was in Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK, and, and their school system is different. At age sixteen, they take what they call GCSEs, which is kind of the equivalent of like the main like ACT sort of thing over here. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, you know, they've already decided when they're thirteen, fourteen, what they think their career is going to be. You know, and so then they even limit the subjects that they have by that point. And so then oh. this test kind of is, is finally the standard. And at that point, I'd say half of them finish high school at mm-hmm. age 16 and either go to trade school or, what. you know, maybe if they're going to be farmers, they go farm already or they go and, you know, do an apprenticeship to be a builder or plumber. Mm-hmm. And then there's that smaller percentage that stay on for the last two years of high school and is really specific. They choose four subjects that then gear them towards where they're going to go in university, wow. which will, which where they go in the university, they actually apply for when they go to university, the actual subject that they want to go into rather than going to like a university and choosing while they're there, they actually apply for the course that they want to be in. Wow. They're in a university for anywhere from two, three or four years. And then they come out fully qualified for that position. Now, if you take that context and apply that to America, it's totally different. Yeah. You know, we don't, in America, we don't tell you to think about what you want to do until like you're a senior in college. And even then you end up being out of college. You're looking for a job and you get a job having nothing to do with what yeah. you've done in college. And, and all the focus, it's like, as long as you get a good GPA or if you're in AP classes or you're taking honors courses, you're good to go. Yeah. 
You know, that's why I love the Nicolay Bible Institute so much that we have here at Silver Birch Ranch. Because I really think in some cases, in the United States especially, there's young people getting out of high school. And and really, college for them right now is a holding tank for four years. They have no idea what they want to do, no idea where they're going. And and like Alice in Wonderland, it doesn't matter what fork they take then. I mean, they're going to get to wherever if they take whatever fork they take. And then they're wondering why they're lost and not feeling significant, not feeling... Because they haven't had a burden to choose anything. They've been entertaining themselves to yeah. to a certain point. Now, look, we're talking structure here. Right. That, that's all we're talking. We're, we've been talking about the whole program. There's a reason why we are where we're at. And we need to, you know, Nicolay Bible Institute, and, and I'll finish that thought. The reason I like it, it gives a young person a year to learn the Bible and learn how to serve other people, something they're going to need no matter where they go. And then they can actually prayerfully consider what the next step is and hopefully have some direction by the time yeah. they're, they're done. So they're just not going anywhere, but they're going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. Let me, let me play the, the listener here for a second. Say there's, there's an area in my life that I do want to change and I want to be successful at changing it, you know, and be, you know, systemic about it. How do I go about doing that? Mm. You know, wh- what are ways that I can do that? Yeah. You know, to set myself up so that I do succeed and, 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 and have this lasting change rather than just setting myself up to fail again. Hmm. You know, there are several things. I think that even on our website, uh, Jeff, are we going to have this stuff listed on our website? Yeah, we do. Yep. Okay. Uh, it, there are different steps. I mean, if you look out in um, in the web land, whatever that is, you you, you end up seeing that there's places um, that have different programs for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they could be like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever. Yeah. And what they've done is they've kind of specialized in process. Right. Uh, so that when change happens, it can be permanent rather than um, non-permanent. Um, I think that personally they don't go far enough because yeah. there, there's no Bible in it, really. Mm-hmm. Sure. They just say these principles. But but I would challenge our listeners to understand that if it is true, there is a biblical reference for it somewhere because mm-hmm. um, anything that we find that's really true came from God. And, and there are a lot of different steps, I think, that they would give you. For example, what they would say is you have to have a pre-contemplative step, which is a big word for <laughs> you really need to know there's a problem. Yeah, mm. you know what I mean. If you don't know there's a problem, then there's no way to fix it. Right. So, so if you're in a normal society, uh, it, or if you're an alcoholic, and you say I'm not an alcoholic, I don't have a problem with alcohol, then you're not going to do anything mm-hmm. about right. it. So, you know, this step one is to to be able to say I have a problem, and in the Bible, it's very clear. Mm-hmm. I do have a problem. Yeah. I am the problem. It's sin. See, sin is my problem, and I sin. Mm-hmm. So it's it's easy to begin there. Yeah. And take ownership of it. Now, now, notice I didn't say that uh, I sinned because of my parents. I sinned because, of, no, I said I am a sinner. I, right. I mean, I have to own this. And, and that would be the first step, actually, to getting better. The second one that they, that they give is contemplation. You got, you got to start thinking about, all right, if I have a problem of sin, what is the answer for the problem? And I need to start thinking about it. The, the Bible tells us that it's the truth that sets you free. Mm. You know, and, and okay. And as Pilate might have said, so what is truth? There you go. Let's start contemplating. Yeah. What is truth? Yeah. You know, and, and if we're not seeking that, if we're not looking for it actually, if we have no criterion for it, hmm. let me ask you guys a couple of questions on truth. Can truth be determined by a democracy just by people voting? No. 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 All right. So, so really, you know, that's what we're doing right now is kind of contemplating aloud because mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out the truth. All right. So I've already eliminated, well, just the idea of a democracy doesn't mean I'll find truth within that. Uh, can the Supreme Court decide truth? No. No, it, it decides laws, but it may not decide truth. So, so I have to dismiss that as far as the ultimate answer for truth. Mm-hmm. Um, can, um, if I just uh, follow people who have strong belief systems, will I be in truth? Nope. No. So I have to dismiss that. Yeah. Now, now, see, what, I, what I'm doing is I'm contemplating, I'm beginning to understand what is truth. Mm-hmm. Where can I find it? Mm-hmm. And for me, what, what has happened is I've gone through that process. I'm going back and said, really, in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God yeah. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, It's not in the beginning, Dave. So I have to start there. So now I'm starting to contemplate. And some might be listening and saying, well, I don't believe in the beginning there's God. Well, you know what? I, I have contemplated and contemplated and contemplated. If you haven't figured that out by listening to the show, <laughs> you know, that's, that's one thing that I do. Yeah. And I'm holding a pen right now in my hand, and I have no doubt that this pen had a designer, a manufacturer, and a plan for it. You know, mm-hmm. no doubt. Well, it's a, it's a silly pen. And when I think about the universe or a, 
or the strike. I have no doubt that there's been a designer. Yep. No doubt that I'm not him. No, no doubt. So that's where I start. And I start, there was a beginning. I didn't cause it. There is a God. I'm not him. Mm-hmm. So we start with the contemplative part. And, and we need to begin to do that and be honest about it. Yep. And realize all the different inputs that come in there. Those are two things, and I think we'll have to talk about more uh, you know, in the segments to come. But if you miss these steps, again, because it's a system, systemic kind of thing, if you miss the idea of, of saying, I have a problem, mm-hmm. and you miss the idea of thinking about the various solutions to the problem, you're not giving your time to think, but other people just keep pouring into you, then, then very likely these problems are going to continue to persist, and you're not going to be able to solve anything. Yep. And these are actually stages. So the pre-contemplation, the contemplation, these are all stages of making a change. And these are ones that we – usually we start at the one or two area, number one pre-contemplation. This is knowing that there needs to be a change but being really reluctant to doing it. The idea of it is just abrasive. It's not worth it. Yeah, I see a lot more cons and I see pros to change. So I'm not even going to think about it. The contemplation is, yeah, I understand there's a problem. I might be open, uh, but I'm still on the fence to making that change. And we're going to talk about the preparation stage in the next part of our conversation. And we would like to know what kind of changes have you made in your life? Join us on the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Tonight on the show, we've been chatting about change and making change that lasts, not going back to old habits or old ways, which seems to be pretty common for a lot of us. A lot of us will say, yeah, man, I want to lose weight or I want to do better in my grades. I want to accomplish some sort of a goal or a feat. And yet we start taking steps and maybe somewhere along the way we get sidetracked or we get bored or whatever it is. And we decide, yeah, you know, it's just easier not to change. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a better person now because I've made some changes and, and so that's okay. And we kind of give up on making those changes. And, and I guess in turn, we end up actually not changing. Sometimes we end up going back and sometimes even worse than we were before, whether it's an addiction, whether it's uh, just a struggle that you've had, just a bad habit, you know, biting your nails or just picking at your skin or something like there's just sometimes we just have really little petty things that we think, well, I would just like to change this about myself or I'd like to change that about myself. But really, in turn, we just don't take the time to actually go through it. And the third stage of making a change in our life is this one that's so easy to understand and it's action. It's beginning to take steps and maybe it's checking into a rehab center. Maybe it's just going and seeking out a tutor or talking to a live coach. This is that action step that is so critical in making a change. And a lot of us get to this phase, but a lot of us fail. And then sometimes we end up just ditching it and saying, well, that didn't work. So uh, guys, I want to actually take some steps. I want to give every person who's listening to the show some actual steps that we can take in changing. And I'll kind of preface this, that this isn't something that I just thought up on my own or none of us came up with. This is, you know, taken from Alcoholics Anonymous. And this is a group that many people who struggle with alcohol recovery go through. But some of the principles, though, I think all the principles are applicable in everyday life, not just for someone who's struggling with a certain type of an addiction or even an addiction in general. It's just about someone wanting to make a change and then taking steps to move forward and actually making change in their life. So uh, first step, guys, I'd like to hear your thoughts about this, but we kind of touched on it already earlier, and that was admitting that we're powerless over our separation from God and that our lives have become in some ways maybe completely unmanageable or partially unmanageable. And uh, Dave, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. That's the way it is. I mean, there's no way to be okay until you admit what the problem is. And the problem is not something. The problem is me. Hmm. I'm the problem. And that's really hard for us to say because we want to make the problem outside of us. But the, the truth is sin is a problem, but I choose to sin. I become the problem. It's impossible to make change if you really don't want to go anywhere or do anything. You know, you got to be, be looking at the things in your life saying, why can't I go somewhere? Maybe because you, you're not deciding that you want to go anywhere. And, and you got to understand that's part of the problem. In other words, let's find the problem so that we can solve it. And I think sometimes that's the hardest part in this whole process to come to is realizing that it's us, ourselves, that need to mm-hmm. admit that fact. 
You yeah. know, because I, I know even with myself, sometimes it, it's so easy to blame it on something else or someone else or a different circumstance. Yeah. When at the end of the day, it's it's me with the problem, and yeah. I need to. I need well, to let, you, you guys are both fathers of young boys, so yeah. if if one of your sons came to you and they were working on something pretty simple, whatever it might be, and just looked at you and said, "Daddy, I can't do this," would you beat him up? No. Mm-hmm. You'd help him. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't do it. Yep. That's all we're saying is yeah, being able absolutely. to say, I can't do this mm-hmm. to somebody who loves us. Absolutely. I'm telling you, anybody that I care about, when they come and say, I just can't get this done, my immediate thought is, mm. can I do that? Can I help you get that done? Yeah. Can I teach you how to do it? It isn't, ha, 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 <laughs> you're so dumb. You know, I mean, a lot of it has to do with what we think of God and those mm-hmm. around us. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, the, and the whole thing is we need to be able to say, I got a problem. Yeah, step one is accepting responsibility. And Romans 7.18 says, I know nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desires to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And step two, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And that it's not about us. You know, step one is admitting that it's not about me, I can't do it. And that's that's actually saying, I'm I'm not good. There's nothing good that lives in me. A lot of times when we want to change, we say, I'm a good person, but I just want to change this. Pride keeps us from actually changing and admitting that, you know what, there's nothing that's good that's in me. I have to get to that point where I realize it's not about me. It's about God. Step two is knowing that God can restore us to our sanity. And then step three, to make a decision to turn our will, our desires, all of our stuff, turn our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. And Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, that means set apart, it's pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. These three steps are incredibly crucial to actually making a change in life because a lot of times we're unwilling to admit that uh, that nothing good is in me. Oftentimes, like I said, we just will say, I'm a good person. I do mostly good things. I just mess up in this area. And you know what the reality is? It's our sinful nature. It's our sinful desires that keep us trapped and, and consistently messing up and, and failing in, in making those changes. Two words come to me, acceptance and submission. In other words, number one, I have to say, I got cut when I was a kid from a no-cut baseball team. I've said that before. What I had to come to understand is that I have to accept the fact that I'm not very good at baseball. There may be reasons why, whatever, but whatever they are, I have to accept that. Submission is I'm not going to keep trying to be on a pro team. You know, I'm going to submit to what's there. When you look at what we need to do, we have to admit, we have to accept the problem, whatever it is. It's Mm -hmm. because of our choices, because of me. And then we submit. We submit to who? Those who have gone before us that can help us. So the, the case I gave with your children, they will come to you. What are they doing to you? They're coming to you saying, Daddy, I can't do this. Okay, they accept the fact that they can't do it. And what are they doing? They're coming to you saying, what do we need to do to fix this? And they're going to submit to you on that. Mm. You know, and, and all of a sudden the thing is fixed. And, and in this case, obviously, the scriptures are saying, God knows how to fix it. Let's admit the problem and go let him fix it mm-hmm. the way he's supposed to. Yep. And then there's a system of family in place. I, I think that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. And and step four just leads into that, taking everything that we've done wrong, the mistakes that we've made, the times that we failed, uh, really what exactly it is. It, it Step four is taking an inventory, a moral inventory of ourselves and just listing out everything that is wrong or that I perceive that's wrong or that is actually wrong in in contrast to what God's word says about myself. And Lamentations 340 says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Because we know the way that God set things up is the way things actually work. Dave, you talk a lot about that. Why would you have to examine yourself? I mean, would you lie to yourself, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. So you need a way to look and see if you're lying to yourself, don't you? Right. And when you examine yourself, you need to be real with yourself and honest. You know, because I think we lie to ourselves all the time because we, we don't admit that maybe we're wrong. You yeah. know, it's, it's that, like you said, it's these, these steps, these processes that you have to go through them so that you can see truthfully as you look into yourself yeah. saying, all right, I do have this problem. I do yeah. struggle with this. Jason, I'm the president of Silverbridge Ranch. You work here. Yep. Am I sinful? Is Dave Wager a sinful person? Yes. So I do wrong things? Yes. Okay. There's no pretend here in life that works. Mm-hmm. This isn't Alice in Wonderland. Right. It's not that, that Jason disrespects me because I'm a human that sins. What would be disrespectful is if I pretend it doesn't happen and I'm not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. That's different. The Apostle Paul himself said in, in, in Romans 7, you know, I, I do the things I don't want to do, but I 
don't want to do what I do. And it's not hard to listen to the Apostle Paul because he's honest. Mm -hmm. He's saying, no, I struggle like everybody else. You have to start with that understanding. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you have to examine yourself because nobody says, I'm going out to be an idiot today. I'm going out to do wrong things today. I'm hoping that this is a really bad day because I make a lot of bad decisions. Nobody starts that way. Right. But we end that way a lot. So what we have to do is examine why. And that's what we're saying. You've got to look at it and examine why and examine it on something that gives you truth, yeah. Yeah. which is not you, by the way. You need to do it on the word of God and something that doesn't change. That's so true, man. We deceive ourselves all the time. And a lot of times it's so silly the way that we deceive ourselves. It, it's just designed to make us feel comfortable and in a place where we feel like I'm okay, you're okay. And the reality is we know from God's word that that's not really true. There's nothing good in myself, and I understand that, and now I've got to move forward. Step five, admitting those things that we just took of ourselves, the inventory, admitting to God ourselves and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. And just a side note on that prayer thing, National Day of Prayer is coming up this week on May 7th, so check out the show notes under hopenet360.com. You can find information on the National Day of Prayer and what's going on in your city. There's a link there you can go and click on. But it's so important to just pray, not just for ourselves, pray for each other as we're struggling, as we're confessing these things. This is positive momentum in the right direction in making change. And when we come back and wrap up the show, we're going to talk about the final steps that we can take to actually making the change a reality in our life here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, Jason, DW with you tonight on the show where conversations save lives. Check out the show notes for tonight's show at HopeNet360.com. And, of course, while you're there, leave us a message. You can always connect with us at hope at hopenet360.com. Or you can join in the tweet back, too. Use the hashtag HNRTV on Twitter. We're hanging out anytime you want to. You can always send us a tweet with that hashtag. We'll always get it. We might even read it on the show. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts tonight, especially as we're talking about change. What kinds of change have you made in your life? Or have you tried to make and you didn't quite achieve the goal that you'd set for yourself? And we'd love to know, not to make you feel dumb or anything, we've all been there. We've all tried to make changes in our life. We've tried to do it ourselves in our own power. And a lot of times doing it that way just ends up making us miserable because we, we have found that it's not always up to us. And the second step that we just talked about in the previous segment of the show is that we've got to understand that it's God that works those things out for us. And if we don't surrender ourselves to him, there's nothing that we can do that's going to give us power over that struggle, over that battle, whether it's getting good grades or it's getting over pornography or it's making yourself more healthy. All of those things, eventually we're so prone to our old habits that we need something else that's really going to help us to overcome those things. And that someone else is God. And you can have a real relationship with him tonight. And uh, you can go and chat with the live coach right now if you want more information on that. We'll share a little bit more later in the show with that. But guys, step six. Now that we've gone through the first five steps, this in talking with a good friend of mine who has gone, has led Alcohol Anonymous groups and now leads a Celebrate Recovery group at a local church, this guy can tell you that the first five steps are the most challenging ones to get through when you make a change because it always involves humbling ourselves and then turning over our struggles, the stuff that we're not proud of, to not only God, but the people that we have in our life that can help us to make those changes. And that's not always comfortable. And the sixth step is that we're actually ready to have God remove all those defects of our character. And uh, Dave, I'd love for you just to take a time and just read James 4.10 and talk about what this really means. Uh, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. There is no way for us to be okay if we keep pretending we're okay, because we're not. I mean, there are things in our lives that aren't right. We need to be able to say they're not right. That makes us human, not bums. I mean, every human out there has things in their lives that they are doing incorrectly. And you don't know it right now, maybe, but as it's revealed to you, the best thing you could do is say, man, I'm wrong. I want to have God help me with this. I want to do it the right way. And I want to submit to both God and to the the good of others. so important that we we get to the point where we're just honest with ourselves and, and realizing that that when we when we do get to that point where we're honest with ourselves, that we don't have to do it by ourselves. You know, like even as I talk with young people that are wanting to make change, those first steps I cannot help them with. They need to realize that they have a problem. 
that it's their fault. But once they do that, I can come alongside of them and be the encouragement and, and give them resources and help to get them to a point where it becomes a system for them for lasting change. You are the ones that need to come to the truth and to humble yourself before God and say, you know what? I am not perfect. You know, I, I do. You sin. won't surprise anyone. You know, I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I sin. I'm yeah. not perfect. Yeah. yeah. And once you come to that, that, that is the key, you know, and then there's people in your lives, or if you don't have somebody in your life, you, you can talk to a live coach and we can, you know, connect you with people that can then come alongside of you because then right. you are willing to change right. and honest. Yeah. And once we get to that point, when we have God, we're ready for him to remove all these defects, all the things, our shortcomings. Step seven is to ask God to remove our shortcomings. First yep. John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, that all of our failures, all that stuff can be wiped away, wiped clean. And this is especially good to know, especially if you've been in a place where, man, you've relapsed, you have totally gone back to your old ways, and you've just gone back on your word and said, well, I'm never going to do this again, I'm never going to be this person again that I was, and now you've found yourself is, you're just back there, you're back in that place. And yeah. God wipes those things all clean, that's such an encouragement. And, and not only that, but step eight is to make a list, make a list of all the people that we have harmed, and become willing to make amends to all of them. This is another difficult step to actually writing out and making a list. Man, if I think of all the people that I've hurt or that I've said things or maybe I've I some of them I know and some of them I might not even know. And yeah. it's important to know that we need to always have a time to just let them know that we've actually made them feel uncomfortable or that we've hurt them in in ways that we don't always realize. This is this is such an important step to yeah to do to actually move forward in our life. Repentance involves making things right if you can make them right. Zacchaeus mm-hmm. is a great story in the Bible for that, where he made things right with the people that he stole from. And and mm-hmm. that's part of repentance, and we need to understand that. In Luke 6.31, this is Jesus talking. He says, do to others as you would have them do to you. A lot of times we go through our life and we just do what we feel like doing and what pleases us and makes us feel comfortable and we don't, we don't really care what other people think or what they feel. And we get so proud and so arrogant and think that our actions don't have any consequences. And we don't even consider the people that we hurt along the way. And that's where step eight comes in. Not only that, but the, the next step is once you make that list that you go to those people directly and you ask forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wherever that's possible, just like you said, Dave, you know, except when those situations would injure someone else or other people, you know, but it's so important as, as it is to us that we make those those amends that we ask forgiveness from someone else. Matthew five twenty three to 24 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Yep. So instead of looking at the blessing or looking at giving someone that gift, if, you, if you're asking God for forgiveness for something else and you've got something in your life that's holding you back between you and another person, go and make that right before you go to God and say, God, can you make this right for me? And that's what God expects from us. And I think that's so important in this whole process of making a change. Obviously, you can't make it right with everyone. You can even make it worse by talking about it with somebody. Yeah. But if you can, you should. And that's how we live. And, and that's another real positive step and, and real important step if you're going to maintain change. And that's what we're talking about here in step 10. This is really the maintenance part of things. Continue to take personal inventory. And when we go wrong, promptly admit it. You know, the reality is when we make change in our life, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be bumps along the way. We're going to miss out. We're going to miss something. We're going to miss a day of a workout. We're going to mess up and, and maybe you're struggling with alcohol and you're going to go and have a drink and now you feel so guilty and shame, you know, just that whole feeling of shame that comes over us when we mess up. Man, just admit it. Admit it right away. First Corinthians ten twelve. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It can be so easy to go back to our old ways that, you know, having a support system that's around you, that's such a critical thing. Having a mentor in your life is a big thing. Having people that you just can go to and just say, hey, I'm really struggling with this today. Uh, that's not judgmental people that will say, yeah, you know, I understand the feeling, but you know what? God is bigger than your issue right now. God is bigger than your struggle. The final two steps, Jason, Dave, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Uh, step 11, you know, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. You know, there's Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. There's a passage in John that talks about abiding Christ. I mean, the real answer is to really spend time with God. As you spend time with God, 
He very carefully, methodically, will cause you to see the problem and help you get through it as you submit to him. And, and so there's no substitution for, for that at all. And the 12th, no. having a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. Uh, we tried to carry on this message to others and to practice these principles. A healthy lake has an inlet and an outlet. As you continue to learn these things, you need to be able to share them with other people. Uh, Galatians 6.1, brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself so you may be tempted. I'm not sure that somebody struggling with alcohol should go help somebody who's drinking right now because they themselves can get down the wrong path. But we do need to look for those who are struggling. Our idea is we want to help them, not condemn them. That goes right into testimony. Absolutely. Sharing your story. And sharing your recovery process, because that will encourage other people who might still be at the pre-contemplation stage in it, just saying, yeah, I've heard it enough, I'm not ready to change. But there are so many people that we all get to that point in life where we know there's a time that we need to change, we're just, we're on the fence, or we're at different stages in our life, in our journey. And it's okay. I just want you to know on this show, don't feel like you have to be at step 12 or that you have to be step six or wherever. You're going to be at different points in this whole journey. And we're all here on the on the show saying we don't have it mastered. We don't have all of these things figured out, but we know who does, and that is God. And tonight, I just want to encourage you, before we go from this show, I want to encourage you, go and chat with a live coach if you're missing that part of your life. If you have not yet found out that God loves you, that he has a plan for you and a purpose for you, and it's to save you from yourself. It's to save you from your sin. It's to save you from the punishment that comes from living in sin. And you can have a relationship with God that is so far beyond any other relationship that you will ever have in your life. I'll guarantee it. I'll put my word on it for whatever that's worth to you. But I would just want to encourage you to go and seek that out. Chat with the live coach at HopeNet360.com. Also, check out the show notes for tonight's show. We've got a lot of links, a lot of things posted. Some of these, some of the lists that we have, we'll share those in our show notes. And as well as some of your tweets, our tweets. And we'll hang on the tweet back a little bit longer. Use the hashtag HNRTB. For all of us here on HopeNet Radio, thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll see you guys online next week. Bye-bye. Later.